0: Really glad you're here this morning. My name's Bob Kidlesek. I'm one of the pastors here at Bridgewater, and we're beginning a four-week series talking about the four biggest barriers to believing. And this morning, we're going to talk about the biggest barrier to believing in the United States, and it's a misunderstanding what believing is. It's kind of like this. Yesterday, I was out uh, doing some work outside, was drenched in sweat and smelled like it, and then it started to sprinkle a little bit where I was, and a little bit of rain, and out in the shower, and it came in. And if, and this conversation didn't happen, but if my wife said to me, "You need a shower," I could have replied back, "I just had a shower. I'm good, right?" And she said, "No, no. I think you need a shower. I, I had a shower. I'm telling you. I did. did no, I mean a shower with soap." <laughs> where you take your dirty, smelly clothes off and put nice, clean clothes on afterward. So it's just a misunderstanding of what, what does shower mean. I had a shower outside. I was in the rain. No, I mean something different. And this word believe has different meanings. And one of the biggest barriers to people believing in Jesus is they think they believe when they really haven't. And so that's what we want to look at today, and for the next four weeks, we're going to be looking in the Gospel of John, and this is what John says, this is why he wrote that book. He says, I wrote this book, these things are written so you may believe that Jesus is the Messiah, the Son of God, and that believing, by believing, you may have life in his name. Belief is very important. Beliefs drive everything. Every decision you make is based upon what you really believe deep down. If you go, I don't know what I was thinking when I did that, I could tell you what you were thinking. It it, it was driven by your beliefs. Every friend you make is is based upon a belief system that you have, and and every action, and and beliefs are are really, really important. And uh, I don't know if you've ever come across these. Uh, These are called tracks. How how many of you have seen something that says the four spiritual laws? You've seen that? This is actually the most common track. Uh, Fifteen years ago, there had been 2.5 billion copies of this printed and lots of different layouts. There's different kinds of tracks. And basically, they're a little pamphlet that tells you something about God. Now, there are um, trick you tracks like this. Any of you ever come across that? Oh, a $10 bill. No. Disappointed? You won't be. Oh, try me. You know, or there are the clickbait tracks, got your ticket, and you're like, what is that about? And you flip it over, oh, oh yeah, yeah, whatever. And then there's the creepy tracks. These are popular at Halloween, uh, chick tracks they're called, where this guy spent his entire life drawing kind of disturbing cartoons and uh, people as tracks. So, But at the back of a track, there's usually some kind of a prayer. And this is an example of one, and I hate this one. Um, because it's not a good prayer of salvation. God, I'm pretty rotten. I like how it's like down to earth, but I don't want to go to hell. I want to go to heaven, so I invite Jesus into my heart. Thanks for that. Amen. Congratulations, you're in. Like, is that really how it works? If you believe like, yeah, I don't want to go to hell. Good, you're in. Like, is that really what belief is about? And, and it's not just tracks. I, I actually like tracks. You, you, there's a good way and a bad way to use tracks. There are good and bad tracks. And I think it's a great, great tool that you can use. But this, this is not just a track problem, this is a, 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 a religious problem. There are many people, most people who think they're following Jesus and going to heaven are not. And it's because they prayed a prayer, they went to confirmation class, maybe they even got baptized or they're a member of a church, and they think, I checked all the bo-. Maybe they checked all the boxes. In fact, in the United States, 70% of Americans say that they're Christians. Now, this is down significantly from 20 years ago, it was 80, 80%. 40 years ago, it was 90%. And so it be, it, it's continuing to drop. But still, 70% of Americans say they're Christians. And most of those people say that they pray to prayer and they're born again. And yet their lives are no different and indistinguishable from people who hate Jesus. And so a lot of people would say, well, yeah, see, Christians are hypocrites. But I get a different understanding from that. I get what Jesus talks about. And we'll see in several verses that there are a lot of people who think they're Christians and are not. And I think those watching online, those in this room, there's a a number of people that fit that category this morning. And what it is, is it's like a vaccine, what is a vaccine? A vaccine is you take a dead version of a virus or a very, very weakened one. In fact, these most recent COVID viruses, they're like something that looks like a piece of the virus. That's what they do. So it's like, hey, if a guy comes into your system and he's wearing a Hawaiian shirt, shoot him. Okay, that's what, that's what your, your antibodies are, are told. And so they're like, okay. So they learn, Hawaiian shirt, shoot the Hawaiian shirt, whatever. No offense. <laughs> I don't I didn't know. I had that. I practiced that last night, and then you came this morning with a Hawaiian shirt on. So I, it's nothing personal. So that, but that's what viruses, that, that's, what, that's what a vaccine does, is it, it gives you a dead version of something so that when the real thing comes, it is no danger and you can kill it. And most Americans have encountered, they have been immunized and vaccinated against real Christianity. Because they've come in contact with a dead version of it. And they think, oh, that's what Christianity is. I already have that. Or, oh, that's what Christianity is. I don't want that. Right? And, and so Jesus, he talks about this quite a bit. Matthew seven twenty one. Not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom of heaven, but only the one who does the will of my Father who is in heaven. Which makes you think, oh, it's about works. It's about doing." But then he goes on and says this, many will say to me on that day, Lord, Lord, did we not prophesy in your name and in your name drive out demons and in your name perform many miracles? That sounds like a lot of really good works. So so they say, Lord, they think they're believers, they're even doing good things. And I will say to them plainly, I never knew you away from me, you evildoers. What what is going on? Here's here's the verse that I want to get to today. And I, I blanked on it a while ago, so I really worked on memorizing this verse since then. For God so loved the world, right, that He gave His one and only Son, that whoever believes in Him shall not perish but have eternal life. All right, what does that believe mean? All right, because, in fact, here, here's we got to back up to find out what that believe means. And so we're going to back up like 18 verses, the end of chapter 2. He, he describes some people who also believe, but don't believe in the right way. He says, now, while he was in Jerusalem at the Passover festival, many people saw, saw the signs. He, Jesus, was performing and believed in his name. They believe they're good, right? No. But Jesus would not entrust himself to them, for he knew all people. He didn't need any testimony about mankind. He knew what was in each person, and he knew they say they believe, They think they believe, but they don't believe in the right way. This is a a pastor in Virginia um, said this, and I think he points it out really well. Jesus is not talking in Matthew 7 or John 2 about irreligious pagans, atheists or agnostics. He's talking about deeply devoted religious people who are deluded into thinking that they are saved when they are not. He's talking about men and women who will be shocked one day to find out that though they, were on, they thought they were on the narrow road that leads to heaven, but they weren't. People who believe but were not born again. And so what does that mean to believe, to be born again? And we're going to just, just read through. So those first two verses end, end of chapter 2, we get right into chapter 3. And this is um, what uh, John says in chapter 3. Now there is a Pharisee, a man named Nicodemus, who was a member of the Jewish ruling council. What does that mean? This means this guy, Nicodemus, was part of the Sanhedrin, which was a group of 71 of the most respected and knowledgeable Bible scholars in the world in his time. He's one, so this is, again, this is not an atheist, this is not a secular guy, he's not Buddhist, he's not Hindu. Islam wasn't even invented yet, so he's not that either. I mean, this is a follower of God. He taught people about God all for, for decades. He probably had books, uh, chapters at least of the Bible memorized, maybe even entire books of the Bible memorized in ancient Hebrew. And so this is the guy that comes to Jesus, and he came to Jesus at night and said, Rabbi, that's a very respectful term means teacher. We know that you are a teacher who has come from God, for no one could perform the signs you're doing if God were not with him. And Jesus replied, very truly, I tell you, no one can see the kingdom of God unless they're born again. Jesus cuts right to the chase and confuses this guy. In fact, if you're here this morning and you're like, I don't really know what it means to be born again, you are ahead of a lot of people. Because a lot of people have the wrong belief in what Born again means, and you have to unlearn that and go back to zero before you can realize what, what born again really means. So, if you can wipe your mind of what born again means, let, let's just see what Jesus talks about it meaning. And, and of course, Nicodemus, he, he has no idea what's going on either. He's like, How could someone be born when they're old? Nicodemus asks, Surely they cannot enter a second time into their mother's womb to be born. He's probably thinking, My mom's dead. But even if she was alive, that. That doesn't work that way. What are you talking about? And Jesus answered, very truly, I tell you, no one can enter the kingdom of God unless they're born of water and the Spirit. What does it mean to be born of water? Well, I remember when our kids were born, before they were born, there's something happened that kind of tipped you off that you should get to the hospital right away. Yeah, my, Becky's water broke, right? And, and so that, that precipitates physical birth is water because you're surrounded in that water, the amniotic fluid. And, and so Jesus is saying you got to be born physically and you got to be born spiritually. And, and so two marks of saving faith that I want to talk about this morning. And the first is new birth, being born again. What does that mean? Here's what it doesn't mean. He's not talking about a physical or emotional experience and this is what most people think when they think born again. They think, you know, I prayed this prayer once and then all of a sudden this joy flooded my soul like the sea billows roll. Like it was it was this, you know, or or I had this tingly feeling at the top of my head and it just poured down through me, or or I just felt like this burden I'd been carrying, it just was gone and lifted up, and those are great emotional experiences, and and I don't doubt that they were from God, but that is not being born again. And and how do we know that's not being born again? Because Jesus goes on to explain what he means. He says, flesh gives birth to flesh, but the spirit gives birth to spirit. You shouldn't be surprised at my saying, you must be born again. Flesh gives birth to flesh. Flesh. He's saying physical bodies give birth to physical bodies. If you don't know how that happens, ask your mom or dad when you get home. They'll be very glad you brought it up. Um, no, physical. So, but he's saying the spirit gives birth to spirit. So what, what, is, what, is, what is our physical body and what is our spiritual person? What's, what's the difference? A lot of people think their spirit is their emotions, That's why people say, follow your, that's why Disney says, follow your heart. Because your heart is your spirit and your spirit knows. You know what the Bible says about your heart? The heart is deceitful above all things and beyond cure. Who can understand it? Don't follow your heart. Please don't. That is the worst advice you can ever get. Don't follow your emotions. Why? Because your emotions, they're great like like warning signs and they're great like Like at telling you something, they're terrible leaders, okay? There's been a lot of advances in neuroscience over the last 40 or 50 years, Uh, the study of the brain, and we have found that our emotions are part of our physical bodies, right? So, So when I see something that's scary, you know, I get all this adrenaline, all these chemicals in my body, and it makes me feel fear right? It's a physical thing. Our emotions are physical. Even empathy. You look at a cute little puppy dog with the sad little eyes, and there are little chemicals your brain releases to say, oh. right? And so our emotions from, in fact, joy to, to sadness, right? Some people are incredibly sad and they don't even know why they're sad. Why? Because there's a chemical imbalance and it's producing the wrong chemicals and it's making, them, it's making them sad. It's physical. Our emotions are physical. So if our emotions are physical and our bodies are physical, what's left? What is the spirit? And the spirit is your will. Right? If you have two twins, that's redundant. If you have twins, <laughs> right? If you have twins and they have the exact same DNA and you put them in the exact same circumstances and they make different decisions, why? Because there's something immaterial within each and every human being. And that is that is your spirit. And and that 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 choice that we have. It's, it's not nature, it's not nurture, it's something else. And that's the spirit. And he's saying, you know what? Bodies give birth to Baez. The only thing that can change your spirit, your will, is the Holy Spirit. That's why it's capitalized there. The Spirit, the Holy Spirit, the third person of the Trinity, he's the one who can change your will. And that is is where the born-again experience is about. That's where that, and it's a decision. It's a decision of your will. Now, why is that important, that we need to be born again? Well, because we got to recognize how bad our sin is. Sin is not just, you know, eh, I made some mistakes. Regrets, I've had a few, but then again, too few to mention. You know, that, that, that if you have that view of your sin, then Jesus is not very great. Jesus is just a good example, nice dude, moral, you know. But if you realize that, man, I am evil deep down, my heart is a heart of blackness, and I have done my best throughout my life to, to hide it, to tame it, to cage it, but ultimately, I am, I, am an, I am an evil person, and I need someone to change me, to change that decision-making part of me deep down. Here's a pastor, I think he's from South Carolina, said this, sin didn't knock us down to God's JV team. Or put us on probation. Or put us on a slower track to get our mansion in heaven. Sin wiped us out. And and, and we need to recognize that. And when we recognize that, then we'll realize how great Jesus is. So the word translated belief in our Bibles has two meanings. In John chapter 2, they believed in Jesus. It was an acknowledgement of truth. Like Jesus is the Messiah. He is God in the flesh. He is the Savior of the world. He is Lord. An acknowledgement of truth, that kind of belief. And then there's another kind of belief. Saving faith, saving belief is a trust. A total trust in. It's the difference between saying that your girlfriend would make a good wife and marrying her right? That, that's the difference. Saying that your boyfriend, man, you would make a great husband. The difference between saying that and saying I do, is there much of a difference? You know, the only people who seem to think that there's not a big difference about getting married are single people, right? Because married people, I've never met a married person say, yeah, marriage not a big deal, didn't, didn't really change anything. You know, it, it's, there's a big difference between intellectually believing something is true and then actually trusting And stepping into that. And what God wants of you is not that you would just believe Him. John 3.16, that if you would believe in Jesus. You see, as a father, I don't want my kids to just believe I'm their father. That's pretty simple. My boys look exactly like me. Or younger versions of me. Right? And, And my girls, thankfully, they don't look like me. But... You know, you can do DNA tests and, and prove that pretty quick. I don't want them just to believe I'm their father. I want them to believe in me when I say I will love you no matter what. No matter what you do, I will always love you. I want them to believe in me when I say suicide is never an option. I want them to believe in me when I tell them that drugs are going to lead you down the wrong path. Don't Don't ever even consider that. I want them to trust me. I want them to love me and believe me in that way, not just, yeah, he's my dad, I believe. And most Americans who believe they're Christians, they just have that superficial belief of, I believe all the facts. Jesus died, Jesus rose, I'm a sinner. uh, He paid for it, blah, blah, blah. Right? And and don't truly, and, and when you realize how awful your sin is, it, it helps in, under, in making that leap of trusting God completely because Jesus took your hell on himself for three hours when he was on the cross. You know, many pastors, and I've done this, gone into great detail about the crucifixion of Jesus and how brutal it was, the flogging ahead of time, the nails in his hands, the, 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 this whole experience. Jesus was not afraid. Jesus did not sweat drops of blood because of the flogging and the cross that was awaiting him. He sweat drops of blood. He said, he said to God, you know, make this cup pass for me, but not my will, your will be done. He said that because of the separation he experienced from God for three hours on that cross. So for three hours, the earth was dark, and that's when he screamed in agony, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? You see, the worst penalty that God can ever give you is to let you go, you know, some people would say, you know what, I wish God would just leave me alone. Just let me do my thing. That is the worst consequence God could ever bring to bear in your life is to let you do your thing. And Jesus died and he took your hell so that you wouldn't have to go do your thing for all eternity, all by yourself, in isolation. How many of you, I won't ask for a raise of hands, but during quarantine... You know, when everything shut down and we were at home, like, I wasn't really quarantined. I was living with four of my favorite people, my family. You know, but if you are completely isolated, boy, this last year and a half has taught me that is not healthy. Everyone eventually, in total isolation, everyone eventually goes insane. It's just a question of time. Some people, the first week is paradise, But year after year, decade rolls into decade, and we, there's something in in us that needs other people, and we make them up if we can't get in contact with them. And so, Jesus was separated from God the Father and God the Holy Spirit for the first time in eternity. He was completely and utterly alone, and that's what hell is. And He took our health so we wouldn't have to. So two, two marks of saving faith, new birth and then new life. So, if, so the difference here is there is a point in time where you need to surrender your will and believe in God in that you trust completely in Him. And then if you've done that, you live completely differently. I was just thinking of an individual today, a woman who... Goes to church all the time. Doesn't go to this church, but goes to church all the time. Will not forgive. Holds a grudge like nobody's business. And I think there was a time where there was new birth, but you know what? I don't think that was real because this isn't real right now. And that's a scary thought. Here's what Jesus says, just as Moses lifted up the snake in the wilderness, so the Son of Man must be lifted up, that everyone who believes may have eternal life in him. This is like, this is one of the most confusing stories in the Old Testament. So here's what's going on. Moses, you know, he, he went into Egypt, brought all the Israelites out of slavery, um, Red Sea parts Pharaoh's army is destroyed, gets the Ten Commandments, gives them to them. They get into the land of Israel, and he's like, this is for you. This is the land God wants for you. And the people are like, we don't believe God. We don't believe that the God that defeated the mightiest army on earth, Pharaoh's army, will be able to deliver us from these mean, bad people in this country. We don't want... God, what God wants. We don't believe God. And so again, one of the worst consequences you can have in life is for God to say, okay, have it your way. And that's what he did with Israel. You don't want to go into this land that I've prepared for you that is wonderful. Okay, you can have it your way. And for the next 40 years, they wandered in the desert till everybody died and their kids could have the choice again. And while they were wandering in the desert, there was a period of time Where all these snakes, wherever they were encamping, these snakes came out and they were biting people. This is a Palestinian viper. It is the most deadly of all the five. We don't know what snake was back there 3,400 years ago with Moses and the people. But this is a candidate. Okay, One of uh, five deadly snakes and poisonous snakes that live in Israel today. And this is the deadliest of them all. And so these people were getting bitten by snakes, and they're like, "We sinned. We were complaining. We were like wanting to overthrow Moses, and you know, and, and just disobey God again. And we're sorry for that. Uh, please help us." And they went to Moses. What do we do? And Moses says, "I don't know." And so he goes to God, and he says, "God, what do I do?" And God says, "This, make an image of a snake, put it on a pole, and and put it in the middle of the camp. And anyone who looks at that snake, their poisonous bite will not kill them." This is just weird okay? Because they just got the Ten Commandments. Commandment number one, no other gods before me. Commandment number two, thou shalt not make any graven image. Okay, so God is not against sculptures. He's against worshiping sculptures, right? So he's not against Moses making a a serpent out of bronze he's against people worshiping that and actually centuries later we find out people started worshiping him that that bronze snake and so a godly king of Israel destroyed the thing and and it's lost in history but so 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 here's the thing that story made no sense to me until Jesus explained it in John 3 and Jesus says I'm the snake and I'm the, I'm the snake on the pole now that's not usually how Jesus is described, right? He's the lamb of God who's the sacrifice. He's the lion of Judah, you know, the king. You know, he's, he's the snake. Isn't the snake like Satan in the garden? Doesn't the snake represent evil and sin? Yes. And this is explained a little bit more in 2 Corinthians 5.21. God made him who had no sin to be sin for us. Jesus said, I will become your sin. I will take the snake on me and be the snake for you and take your place in your hell and your punishment so that you, if you believe, can live. God made him who had no sin to be sin for us so that in him we might become the righteousness of God. And that's where then the very next verse, John 3.15, after that is John 3.16. For God so loved the world that He gave His one and only Son that whoever believes in Him shall not perish but have everlasting life. That's the belief God wants for us, is a belief, not just an acknowledgement of the facts, but a total trust in Him that will give you a new birth and a new life. If you're here this morning and I were to ask you, when? did you, when were you born again? When did you make that decision of the will to change and believe and trust God with your life and trust Him to save you? You know, before that, maybe you were trying to save yourself and you're like... Man, you know, I'm in the hole a little bit right now, but if I just do a couple more good things, and then in the process of doing those good things, you do something else sinful, and now you're in the hole again, and the hole's getting deeper and deeper, and you can't really overcome it, and you're like, and, and if you, when was the time in your life where you said, I'm getting off this rat wheel, and I'm just gonna trust Jesus to save me, and I'm gonna give him my life, and if you can't think of a time that you did that, I'm not sure you've ever done that. It would be like me asking, I saw Chuck Scott come in and Lloyd. If I were to ask Chuck and Lloyd, hey, when were you born? And they said, oh, we've always been. I said, well, yeah, it seems like that. But, you know, it was over 90 years ago for both of you. But when were you born? Oh, no, well, we weren't ever really born. We were just, we've just always, no, 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 you don't understand. Everybody's born. And everybody has a physical birth. Everybody has a spiritual birth. Don't, don't turn to a mom nearby you and ask, but being born, was that like just a little thing? Is that something you might have missed, someone being born? Like, oh, I don't know. I just, you know, kind of unrest in the night and pff, there was a baby in the morning. No, it's a big deal. Birth is a big deal, right? You don't just sneak it in. Like it, it, and, and spiritual birth is the same way. It isn't just this thing like, like, yeah, boy, yeah, I don't know when that happened, you know, but, but not just new birth, but then new life, a changed life, not a perfect life. None of us are perfect. I'm not perfect. You know, we're, none of us, but when I'm wrong, the Holy Spirit convicts me, that will, part of me. And I realize, oh, I need to go ask for forgiveness. Oh, I need to stop that. Oh, I need to enlist someone else to help me stop that because I can't stop it on my own. And, and there's, there's a change. If you've never, if you, if you can't recall a time that you ever surrendered your will and asked Jesus to pay for your sins for you, I want to encourage you to do that with me right now. I, I had a really bad sinner's prayer at the beginning that really said nothing about, you know, repentance, nothing about trusting God. Um, This is a better one. It was written by Billy Graham. And uh, I'm going to, I'm just, you know, let's all bow our heads and close our eyes. And again, this isn't a magical, this isn't some magical incantation. Say these words and you're in. No, it's just a, a pathway that if you really want to believe and trust God to save you from your sins and to have you live a new life. This is the path. Let's pray together. Dear Lord Jesus, I know I'm a sinner and I ask for your forgiveness. I believe you died for my sins and rose from the dead and I turn from my sins. I invite you to come into my heart and life I want to trust and follow you as my Lord and Savior. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. If that was the first time you made a decision like that, if maybe you never really understood what it meant to be born again before, what it meant to, to really ask Jesus to be your Savior, I want to encourage you to tell someone about it. We, we celebrate this, right? Just like, you know, we celebrate someone being born Physically, in a family, we celebrate spiritual birth in this spiritual family called the church. And, and I, I want to encourage you, if you are born again, do you have the marks of saving faith? We, we do things as a church to help us follow God. And here's, um, I'm trying to think, if i got three or four, four ways to live out, live out your new life. Number one, become, join a team. Join an army. Great things almost never happen to individuals. Great things happen to teams. And Jesus knew this, and he said, I will build my church. Church means assembly of called out ones, special people. And and if you are not, I don't care if you join, I, I do care. I'd love for you to join Bridgewater, but you don't have to join Bridgewater. No big deal. But you need to join one of God's teams. They're called churches. There's all sorts of them all over the place. I could recommend some to you. South New Milford Baptist Church, great church. Forest Lake, great church. There's there's a lot of churches. Join one. Be a part of one. Come every week to be reminded of what's important and to to get psyched about the rest of the week and obeying God and living a different life. And that's the first thing is to come back. Second thing is to invite someone to come with you. There's invitations that we have, and you might get them. I don't know if you got them coming in, but you might get them coming out, or they're at the Welcome Center. Invite others to come with you here. If you're a man, a week from Monday, the Monday Manly Meal, sign up for that at the Welcome Center. We're limiting it to just 40 people. It will be the best meal you eat all week. We are having ribs this uh, week from Monday. And we have a man who teaches cooking classes who's the chef, okay? Okay. It's going to be awesome, but we're going to get together at the VFW from 6 to 7.30, and we're going to talk about what's important. Okay, we're going to eat a great meal. Ten minutes, I'm going to talk. Fifteen minutes, everybody's going to talk at the tables and discuss some things. Hour and a half, you're gone. All right, invite someone to come. If you're here, it is free. Okay, it's free for everybody, but if you're here, the cost of admission is you got to invite somebody. Now, they don't have to come with you because you can't control whether they come with you. You know, they might say, no, no way. Are you kidding me? I hate the VFW. Whatever. (laughs) You know, they wouldn't say that. but, But invite someone to be a part. This is new life. People who don't have new life, they're dead. Do you care? Have you found something special? Well, then invite them to join you. In this, in this following of Jesus Christ, two other ways to live out your new life. Um, there's a Bible reading guide that we're going to hand out to everybody on your way out. Um, I think we have 300, so probably enough for everyone. Um, just take one. If you're going to do it, read God's Word. It, it is hard to understand sometimes. It's worth the effort. And then the last thing, um, as you leave to the left, There is uh, sign-ups. I don't know how to do this online, but um, October 17th, a month from now, is Don't Go to Church, Be the Church Sunday. Here's what we're going to do. We're going to all come here at 9 o'clock, only 9, eat donuts, grab a donut, and maybe some coffee, and immediately leave. No singing, no sermon, and we're going to go out into the community and actually serve people and serve God by serving others. And so we got like a bazillion ash trees that need to be cut down in people's lawn who don't go to church, or there's a man who has cancer, stage four cancer, get those down, Uh, building handicap ramps, about three of them I think we're going to be building, Um, clearing the rail trail, um, free car wash. We're going to have stuff here to do if you're not very mobile, okay, if you're not ready to, you know, use a chainsaw. All right, there'll be cards that we're going to write to um, nursing home uh, workers. You know, I tell you what, they've been on the front lines and, and largely ignored. And so we want to encourage some, some other individuals as well to write cards to. Just sign up. Do something. Be different. Live this life of following Jesus that's a new life. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, I just ask that you would um, just help, help us to follow you, God. Help us to love you. Help us to, to not just believe stuff about you, but to believe in you and in Jesus Christ. And Lord, I just ask that you would um, just help this church to be to be a catalyst for change, not just in our own lives, Lord, that we just wouldn't be this fortress that just, you know, sits here up on this hill, but that we would be uh, an army that leaves, that marches out, that changes our community, God, that, that this new life would be contagious, that it would spread like a virus, a good virus and change people's lives. Lord, just remove that vaccine that so many have been become immune to the real, life-giving, life-changing power of the cross and of Jesus Christ. God, open our eyes. Let May your Spirit do what we can. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.